Well, this morning I'm going to spend some time talking about our, our, our identity as a Christian. Now, you may wonder how in the world does that tie into Galatians 1, 6 through 9. That'll be my job to go back and to show you how that, how that passage applies. I'm going to give you a couple of terms here as we get started, just as a, as a little bit of an intro into understanding our identity as a Christian. Now, if you've ever gone back and you have studied either uh, sociology or if you've studied psychology, uh, you'll go back and, specifically in sociology, you'll go back and you'll begin to look at groups of people. Uh, and then when you begin to break it down into an even more intense study on the individual basis or from the psychological side, you begin to look at individuals. Now, academically, sociology, this is the definition they give, it is the study of social life, social change, and the social causes and consequences of human behavior. In essence, what they do is, is they look at a group of people and they begin to look at their behaviors and why it is that they do certain things. Well, if you break it down even more, what you find is, is that human behavior is based on one's identity. Now, your next logical question would be, what exactly is identity? And that would be a valid question. This is, I guess to sum it up, this is the individual. Our identity includes, and this is again from the definition, includes our memories, experiences, relationships, and values that create our sense of self. And so, identity creates all of that stuff I just mentioned. It creates who it is that we are. It develops over time, and it encompasses what we individually would call our values. Now. For us as Christians, our identity is what distinguishes us from the world. I want you to listen to Romans 12 too. Paul told the church in Rome by inspiration, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Guys, that's why we're not like the world around us. That's why when people begin to talk about who we are as individuals, and even on a larger scale as the church, they begin to talk about how it is that we are different, and we're supposed to be. Our identity is not to be like the world around us. Now, for us to truly understand our identity in Christ, and we could break it down into two different ways. I'm going to look at it on the individual side. Uh, but if you could look at it from the side of the church body, or you can look at it as the individual. And for me, to understand my identity in Christ, I have to realize that my old identity, who it was that I was before, has been crucified. And so now my new identity is in Christ. For many of us, we came out of different denominational groups, or we came out of maybe nothing, where we were, we were atheistic or humanistic. Our identities have changed. We are now... Christians, and again, that's why we are different from those around us. We're Christians. Focus on that word for just a minute. I think oftentimes people hear the word Christian and they really don't give much thought to it. And you'll wonder again, why did you start off in Galatians 1? Well, there was a new name for the people of God. You have to remember the context of what was taking place in Galatia, and I'll get over there in a second. But there was a new name that was going to be given for God's people. They were not going to be called Jews and follow the law of Moses forever. There would be a new name. And so, 
Until Christ's death on the cross, we know that the follower of God was living according to the law of Moses. Now let me read Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And I'm leading into the issue that we had taking place in Galatia. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now for the Jew, this would have caused an identity crisis. They were living all of their life according to the law of Moses, and yet that law was nailed to the cross when Jesus died. A new system was being ushered in. There had been this new name that had been prophesied for those who would be followers of God, and they would live according to an entirely different set of beliefs. Imagine for just a second, and for some of us this has been a reality. You are raised under one understanding about your faith, and then all of a sudden you realize that that has to come to an end and that you have to change. And again, imagine the identity crisis they were dealing with. But there was a new name. It would be given to the follower of God. Listen to Isaiah 62, 2. And the Gentiles shall see thy Christian, thy, or shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. So there was a new name that was going to come. I just mentioned it as I was trying to read the verse. They're going to be called Christians. Matter of fact, you find that term, uh, I think you find it three different times in the New Testament. I'm going to give you one of those. But you're not going to be called Jews anymore, living under the law of Moses. You will have this new designation. Listen to Acts 26, 27 through 28. And we've talked about King Agrippa before. King Agrippa had understanding of the Scriptures. Paul tells King Agrippa, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul was teaching King Agrippa that the follower of God at that time was no longer the Jew. The follower of God, the faithful follower of God, was now a Christian, was now one who was a follower of Christ. It was one who had put off their old identity and put on a new identity. Now again, you can understand why the Galatians were struggling with this. You can understand why people might struggle with it today, coming out of either a denominational group or humanism or atheism or whatever it might be. But here's the thing. Even though many of us wear this new name, the world around us is trying to steal our identity in Christ, and they're trying to get us to compromise on New Testament teaching. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. This issue isn't new. As a matter of fact, when you go back to the first century, and we'll touch on Galatians here. We just had it read before I walked up here. You had those who were actually forfeiting their identity in Christ, and they were going back to something else. Listen very closely as we listen to 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. And you're going to see that not only are they forfeiting their identity in Christ, they're forfeiting the salvation that goes with it. 2 Peter 2, starting in verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true, true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed 
to her wallowing in the mire. What's Peter trying to get us to understand as he records this for us by inspiration? He's basically saying there were people at that time who were no longer living in accordance with the inspired teaching of the New Testament. They were turning from righteousness. They were turning from that identity they had once put on. And they were turning from the law of God. Listen to 1 John 3, 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. To turn from righteousness is to turn from the law of God, and that is what they were doing. They were forfeiting this salvation, this new identity that they had put on in Christ. And when we transgress God's laws as Christians, we're turning our very back on the identity that we have in Christ because our identity is wholly based, at least it should be, on the inspired Word of God. It tells us how we are to live. It tells us how we are to worship. For every single thing that we do that has, has scriptural importance in our lives, the Scriptures deal with how we are to, to do those things or the things we're not to do. Paul understood exactly how important his identity was in Christ. Listen to Galatians 2.20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, I want you to think for just a second about Paul. Paul had literally given up everything to become a Christian. He had given up his faith. He was a Jew. He's no longer a Jew. He didn't just give up his faith as a Jew. He gave up his status. Paul, who was the up-and-comer of the day, the educated of the educated, who sat and was taught at the feet of Gamaliel, he was a somebody. And so he gives up his faith. He gives up his status. I don't know how many relationships he gave up. I assure you the Pharisees that he was surrounded by during his days of importance probably didn't want anything to do with him. Now, did he gain it all back? He did. But I'm saying he gave up an awful lot. He gave up his identity as a Jew, as a Pharisee, as somebody who was going to be something in that faith, and he gave all that up to put upon him a new identity. And now let's go back to Galatia which is where we open this morning. They're being warned not to turn to another gospel. He says, which is not another. But there there were some that were troubling them. And so when you go back and you begin to look at the congregation there in Galatia, they are being convinced by some teachers who have come in and are literally trying to get them to forfeit their new identity in Christ and then to go back and to observe the law of Moses, or at least portions of the law of Moses, as part of their salvation. And this is what Paul meant when he contrasted being justified by the law and not by faith. Now, most people today, when they talk about Paul's teachings regarding that, will accuse Paul of basically condemning all law, but they neglect both the purpose and the context of the book of Galatians. And so they've come to this wrong conclusion that Paul... Paul says that we're not amenable to any law. Guys, Paul was no longer a Jew. He had literally forfeited the identity 
when he became an apostle and a fellow preacher of the gospel. He literally took upon himself a new identity as a Christian. Now, that's something all of us who are Christians have done ourselves. Listen to Romans 1, 1 through 6. You, you sense in his words, and again, he's giving us this by inspiration and it's applicable, but you sense in his words this new identity of who he is. Romans 1, starting in verse 1, Paul, servant of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys think of yourself that way? As a servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Let me pause again. This isn't in my notes. I read an article yesterday, again, by a fairly supposedly educated scholar who was talking about how Paul taught one gospel to the Gentiles and Peter taught another. Let me read again what that says. Separated unto the gospel of God. There is one gospel. Paul and Peter both taught the same gospel. The scriptures go back and I could lay it all out for you. But guys, anytime you read that and you will read it, I see it all the time from supposed scholars that Peter taught one gospel to Jews, Paul taught another gospel to the Gentiles. No, there's just one gospel of God. And that's exactly what Paul taught. Same thing that the rest of the uh, apostles taught. Separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in his holy scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now he's talking about them as apostles. For obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, that's why we're called Christians. That's why we don't designate ourselves into other broke-down bodies as Baptists, Catholics, or whatever. We're just Christians, okay? We'll touch on that again. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. goes back to King Agrippa, right? Almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. We find those that were following Christ, those who put on this new identity, they were designated as Christians. They were followers of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question for the Galatians. Why would anybody go back and consider forfeiting their faith in Christ to go back to the law of Moses? Which in essence is what these false teachers are, are asking them to do. Take portions of the law of Moses, give up your identity in Christ, and go back to this old system. The same question could be asked today for anybody who is forfeiting their faith in Christianity for any other item, whether it's uh, a, a religious group, whether it's whether it's uh, humanism, atheism, whatever it might be. Here's the fundamental issue with the Galatians as I began to sit and think about it. What's the problem with Galatians? They have a problem with identity. They've forgotten who they were, or at least who they are. Would the churches there in Galatians, would they go back and try to be justified by the law of Moses and simply be Jews justified through that system, or would they understand the change that they took upon themselves when they accepted this identity in Christ? And would they continue to be justified by faith according to the system of faith? Now, again, many people get confused, and so I'm going to try to break this down again. For anybody to have an understanding, and I began to touch on it this morning in Bible study, for anybody to have an understanding about the identity of the follower of God, every follower of God has lived by faith according to the dispensation in place at the time that they were alive. 
Again, listen to Ephesians 2, 8, verse 9, verses 8 and 9. And I'm going to go back and correct it because it's not translated well in the, in the English. But everybody knows this passage. For by grace are ye saved through faith. In the Greek, the word the is there in that, right between through and faith. You are saved through the faith. And that's what Paul's dealing with in the book of Romans, a system of faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The faith he's talking about here and where our identity has to be is the system of faith. And he's telling the Galatians, it's no longer based on this system of the law of Moses, but by a faith directed by the law of Christ. When you switched over and you took this new identity upon yourselves, you left the old and you put on the new. And yes, that's going to cause some struggles for the Jews of the day. Just like it causes struggles today when people leave whatever religious group they were in to come back and just be a Christian. Or when people leave humanism to be a Christian. Or whether they leave atheism to be a Christian. Whatever the situation is, you're dealing with the same struggles. You've put on this new identity. And the Galatians didn't fully understand their identity in Christ. Or they would have never even considered going back to the law of Moses to put this yoke, this bondage back upon themselves. So what exactly had they forgotten? What exactly does it mean to have our identity in Christ? Well, let's go back and notice a few of the things that they have forgotten, but unfortunately it's, it's things that people today forget. Our old self has been crucified. Now the Galatians forgot this. If they had not forgot this, they would not have even tolerated for a second somebody coming in and preaching another gospel to them. And yet they did. And Paul literally had to say, I don't understand. I marveled. I marveled that you are so soon removed from the gospel that I taught you to, to what these guys are teaching. How, how could it be? Well, they forgot that their old self had been crucified. And with that, so was their old faith that they followed. The old man lived a lifestyle of sin, but our new identity in Christ rejects that. Now, this is a whole other sermon, but for people to be worshiping as Jews at this time, guys, I, people are going to be in outrage when I say this. That was sinful. You could not worship as a Jew when the system, uh, the law of Christ was in place. The old law was nailed to the cross. It's no longer authorized. People I know are going to have a heart attack when I say this. Jews who are worshiping today are worshiping in sin. The law of Moses was nailed to the cross. It is no longer an authorized system. And I could start listing other religious groups and say those systems are sin. And I know, again, people are going to have a heart attack. The Galatians forgot this. Just like people today either forgot it or don't understand it. Listen to Titus 3.3 as we consider our old self. He says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Guys, this was each one of us before we were a Christian. And our old self has to be crucified. Unfortunately, here's the sad part, guys. This is even some of us after we've become Christians. Now, luckily, we have a way to remedy that as Christians who can come into contact with the cleansing blood of Christ but the old self has been crucified as we take on this new identity. And the Galatians, they went through this too as they became Christians. Listen to Ephesians 2, starting in verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. That word there is better rendered as our manner of life. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, I didn't put this in my notes, but there, guys, when you look where it says, and were by nature, most people teach, well, you're born that way. That word nature, if you go back and look it up in the original language, means by long-standing practice. And guys, before I was a Christian, I will tell you, by long-standing practice, there were an awful lot of sins I was involved in. And so were the people of those days. It's not saying you're born this way. They had chosen to do this, and they'd been doing it for a very long time. And the majority of sins that you find people involved in today are the same sins we saw taking place thousands of years ago by long-standing practice. But God's called all people to obey the gospel and become Christians so as to put off this old man and to put on Christ. We leave what we used to be so that we can obey the will of God. Most of us, I hope, go back and look at that day with a fond remembrance when we decided to put on Christ. We had to give up all that we knew before as we accepted this new identity. So did the Galatians. Listen to Ephesians 4, 21. I'm going to read down to verse 24. He says, If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Move on over to Colossians 3. I'm going to read from that in a minute. What's he saying? You're going to kill off the old and you're going to put on something new. Or as I worded it today, you're going to take a new identity upon yourselves. As was prophesied over in Isaiah 62 too, that there was going to be this new name. We find that they're now being called Christians. We also have an understanding that we as individuals have to make this decision. Now, the Jews had to make that decision to put on Christ. We today aren't Jews, but every one of us had to make that decision to put on Christ. Listen to Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Basically, he's saying don't go back and do all those things that you used to do. You can't do that anymore because your new identity in Christ forbids that. And as a matter of fact, in Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, he talks about putting on the new man. Then in Colossians 3, 9 and 10, he says, put off the old man, put on the new man. Here should be the logical question for anybody watching this online. How do I do that? How do I do that? Where does that start? Somebody help me out. I wish I would have had somebody sit me down and say, you want to put on the new man? Here's how you do it. The scriptures actually teach that we're baptized to identify ourselves with Christ by reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection. Our old man goes down into the water, but the new man emerges with a new identity. Let's go over to Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verses 3 through 11. And don't come away with, because I'm going to touch on it here in a second, don't come away with the idea that you are doing this for symbolic reasons. There's a whole lot more going on, and there's a lot of verses I wanted to use that I didn't put in, into this. You're doing this for more than just a symbolic reason. Romans 6, 3 through 11. Paul tells the church in Rome, 
Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? And therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, killed off, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God." Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died for the world, John 3.16. As Christians, we die to the world. We are literally buried with Christ in baptism. We do it in the water, but we go back and we are doing this, this reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. One of the markers of all Christians, at least the ones you find in the Bible, and I don't know of any others, is that every single one of them was immersed in water. That's what we find in every conversion account. They were immersed in water. Baptism is the only way for an alien sinner to put on Christ. And I didn't put enough verses in here, but if you go over to Acts 2.38, we find that baptism is for the remission of sins. That's how sins are removed at that initial cleansing, when you put on this new identity in Christ, it's how you get into Christ. Listen to Galatians 3, 26-29. There's no other way to get into Christ but to be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. That's why 1 Peter 3, 21 says it saves. That's when this new identity comes upon you. That's why you come up out of the water and you're a new creation. Listen to how you get into Christ. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Just by faith? That's what most people teach, just by faith alone. Let's keep reading. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus. Let me pause for a minute. Majority of people come here and they misuse this passage. And they teach all kinds of error out of this passage. I'm not going to go into all the error that they teach, but what is he talking about here? He is talking about the value of our soul. My soul is equally the same as every other person in here. They're, they're no longer Jew and Greek. The value of their souls are the same. Before, it was different when you had Jews who were the people of God and you had the Gentiles. He says there's not bond nor free. There's not servants in here and or free in here. It doesn't matter. In the, you may be a servant out in life or you may be free out in life in the first century, but in here, we're all equal. It's all the same. Okay? There's neither male nor female. He's not saying that there, there is males and females. Matter of fact, if you look around in here, we have males and females. He's not talking about roles here. Okay, He's talking about equality. Certainly there are roles. You're all one in Christ Jesus. We also have verses talking about how we each have different functions, yet we're part of the same body. He goes on, And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Since this is the only way to put on Christ by baptism, by reenacting the death, burial, and the resurrection um, in water, 
You can see actually why Jesus commands this as part of the gospel. And again, so many people go out and say, you don't, you don't need to be immersed in water. You don't need to do that. Again, listen to Jesus' words, Mark 16, 15, and 16. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you may wonder, what all is included in that? And then He finishes up with, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And people say, that's all you focus on is baptism. No, it's not. There's tons of stuff within the Scriptures that we need to understand. It's all part of the gospel. That word euangelion, the good news. There's a lot that's included, but I'll tell you this, baptism is one of them. And Jesus said, go out and teach it. And we find in every conversion act, people were obeying it. Why? The only way for anyone to get into Christ, to take upon themselves this new identity, is to be baptized into Christ. And guess what? The Galatians, they forgot it. They forgot it. They've literally started to forget who it was that they were. Christians today are doing the same thing. They are literally forgetting the, in, the entire purpose of, of why they were immersed in water and why they got into Christ. And they're forfeiting their identity. They're also forgetting that their new identity is in Christ. Again, the Galatians forgot this. Not only did they forget why they were immersed and who they were, they literally are forgetting who it is they are. They're forgetting their current identity. This isn't just about ceasing to sin, although that's included, but it's about changing my identity from the old to the new. Now, for the Galatians, in context, they were struggling from, from leaving the law of Moses and becoming Christians. For us today, it's, it's not usually that. It may be from some other religion or it may be an issue of sin specifically. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's go back to the Galatians here for just a second as an example. When they obeyed the gospel and they put on Christ, they gave up a lot of things. Think about this in context. I mentioned really the same thing with Paul. They gave up their Jewish faith. How many people today sitting in here, you can, you can raise your hand if you want to acknowledge, grew up in some other religious group and you had to give that up to put on a new identity in Christ. And some of us, because of that, were forced to either give up family or had family turn their back on us. I'd say probably quite a few of us. And so you begin to think about what they were willing to give up they gave up their former religions. Many of them faced the consequences of family as they became part of the family of God. They took on a new family because their old family didn't want anything to do with them. They gave up traditions. <laughs> There's a lot of things I used to do in my former faith that I don't do anymore. There was a lot of traditions that have no part of what the Scriptures teach. But here's the thing, as you begin to wrap it all up on an individual basis, you know what they gave up? They gave up their old identity. That was their old man. That's who they were. That's why when you begin to look at someone today, I had a guy, this has been years ago, um, he had been, uh, spent a lot of time in prison, and he was asking me, he said, do, uh, do I need to let anybody know when I come to worship with you about my past? And I said, that's your past. That's who you were. That's the old man, and it means nothing now. 
So no, and I knew his background. There wasn't anything I was concerned about. Uh, no, it's nobody's business. Oftentimes it is good for us to be able to use those examples to try to teach other people, especially people who are maybe living lifestyles like we used to. But that was our old, that was our old life. We gave that up. And Christians were warned not to be deceived by somebody coming in with philosophies and traditions of men. And the Galatians, unfortunately, they didn't listen all too well and they were having to be reminded. But listen to Colossians 2, verses 7 through 10. Rooted up and built in Him and established in the faith, we're talking about Christians, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's why I said the only thing we need to have for us to be faithful is our what $20, our $20 Bible. Uh, all we need to know is what the simple Bible teaches. We don't need any of this fancy stuff taught by people. We don't need anything with religious groups. We don't, need, we don't need any of this stuff that you see taking place for the most part in the religious world around us. Very simple setting, very simple understanding of what it is that we need. We are complete in Him. That's why we're called Christians. That's, the, that's why we're not called by other religious names such as Baptists and Methodists. And I know people are getting mad when I say this, but I'm trying to break it down on a logical sense. I don't know what the Galatians wanted to call themselves after they started taking upon uh, the old law and mixing it in with the new law, but they just needed to be Christians, and they'd forgotten their identity. When our identity is in Christ, God sees the righteousness of Christ in us. We are forgiven because we are in Him. There is no forgiveness outside of Him. Listen to Ephesians 1, 6-7. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. You know, it seems to me that people really get, they, they really struggle with Romans 6, 3 through 4, where it talks about us reenacting the death, burial, and the resurrection in Christ. Where do you think you contact the blood? How do you have redemption through His blood if you don't contact the blood? It is through the death, burial, and resurrection as you reenact what Christ went through. That's where the blood was shed. Guys, the law of Moses couldn't do this. And the Galatians in their mind... They're going to give up their identity as a Christian. They're going to go back and take portions of the law of Moses when the law of Moses couldn't save them. What they needed was the blood of Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Think about this for just a second. The law of Moses required them to go, about, to go back and to offer animal sacrifices over and over and over again. Unlike the blood of Christ, animal sacrifices couldn't fully atone. There's no way that it could. Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Go back to the Galatians. Why would anyone give up their identity in Christ and go back to this old system? Let me ask it this way. Why would anyone give up simple New Testament Christianity to go back to a Catholic like I was? Or maybe like a Methodist like my wife was? Or a Baptist like somebody else? Why would you give that up and go back to a system that can't save? And people get so mad. It's not new. The Galatians were dealing with it. They forgot who they were. They literally forgot 
what their identity was. And they were, they were literally going to go back to a system that was not only not authorized to be practiced anymore, but it couldn't save them anyways. We have so many people today who are religious living under systems that can't save. And when you try to tell them this is all you need, just this, this is all you need, and they're almost outraged at it. Outraged because they don't want to give up traditions. They don't want to give up family. They don't, they don't want to do what is actually required because, guys, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you it's hard. You don't think it was hard for Paul? You don't think it's hard for these Galatians to give up the law of Moses and family and all that tradition and go into this new system, and you can see why it would start to creep back in. They forgot their identity. And you have Christians today who are doing the same thing. Forgiveness of sins is only available for those who faithfully identify with Christ, and they have access to this saving blood. Now again, we've talked about how to contact the blood, but listen to 1 John 1, 5-10. This then is the message which we have heard of Him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Let me point something out from that passage. Walking in the light, verse 7, is walking in the truth, verse 8, which is walking in the word, verse 10. The only identity which anyone can be righteous in is when they are being faithful to the Word of God. Now, for the Galatians, they're willing to give up all of that. They're willing to go back and to start to live under a system that's not even in place anymore. They're going to go back and place themselves under the bondage of the law of Moses. It doesn't make any sense. Listen to 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. For anyone here who wants to know if they really have an understanding of their identity in Christ, here's how you can know if you know Him. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Well, which commandments? All of them. The ones about how to live, the ones about how to treat your spouse, the ones about how to do good unto all men, the ones that tell you how to worship. The ones, they're all important, every one of them. You want to know if you know Him? Do you keep His word? Verse 4, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You know, it's interesting, I'd like to use that passage for a lot of people I talk to who are very religious, and then I ask them why they do something, and they go, well, you know, that's how we've always done it. I know that's not in the Bible, or the Bible, you know, kind of makes it... Guys, go back, and if you say you know Him, but you're not keeping His commandments, the Bible says you're a liar. Verse 5, But whoso keepeth His word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. You ever heard... Let me, let me stop again. Oh, they're just a bunch of legalists, which it's a misuse of the word, right? They're a bunch of legalists. Let me rephrase that in a correct. You know that they try to live as faithful as they can, just as the Bible teaches. That's what, that's what they're really saying. He's a legalist. If you're accusing me of trying to be as faithful as the Word requires me, guilty. If you're accusing me of going above and beyond and binding things that are not in the Scriptures, that's not what that means. Yes, I want to be faithful. 
But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith thee abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Yeah, that's my identity as a Christian. And my new identity is rooted in faith and love. The Galatians forgot this. My faith in Christ maintains my identity in Christ, and that's what saves me. Let me go back to the Galatians for just a second. They were struggling with giving up the law of Moses. Listen to Galatians 3, verse 24 and 25. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Let me pause for a second. So the schoolmaster, if you're not familiar with that, the schoolmaster was the one that would come and get the student and take them to the teacher. Right? That was his whole purpose, to get them from point A to point B. He says that was the purpose of the old law. It was your school, it was your schoolmaster. They were to get you from point A to point B. But notice verse 25. But after that, faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. The whole purpose of the law of Moses was to point to Christ. And these Galatians who were trying to bring back in part of the law of Moses had totally forgotten their, their identity. They're no longer living under the law of Moses. They're now living as Christians. That system of faith couldn't save anymore. And it was never its purpose to continue on. Remember, they were going to be called by a new name, Isaiah 62.2. That new name was Christian. Listen to Galatians 5.6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now some here will say, the Bible teaches you only have to live by faith. Christians don't walk by the faith of the law of Moses. We walk by the new system of faith that we have recorded for us in our New Testament, the law of Christ. But they walk by faith, we walk by faith, just as they did in every other dispensation. People make it sound like, well, the Christian today only lives by faith, but everybody else lived just by, by laws. It was always by faith. If you were a patriarch, your faith caused you to live under the system that patriarchs lived under. If you were a Jew, your faith caused you to live according to the law of Moses. That's the dispensation you were under. And then remember, that got nailed to the cross. And if you have faith today, that will cause you to live according to the system of faith that we find recorded for Christians. That is our New Testament teaching. We have always, every dispensation, the follower of God has lived by faith according to a faith. Listen to Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God's always required His people to live by faith. But I, I didn't live as a patriarch, and neither have you. And I didn't live under the law of Moses, and neither have you. But they lived by faith, but a different system of faith. I still have faith today, but a different system of faith than them. I'm now a Christian. That's my new identity. Listen to Hebrews 10.38. Now the just shall live by faith. But listen closely here. This is for all dispensations. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Here's the question. What would they draw back to? Well, for the Galatians, it was Judaism. Today, for many, it may be going back to the denominational group that they were a part of before they left that and put on their new identity in Christ. It may be going back to humanism. It may be going back to atheism. It may be going back to nothing other than just living among the world like they did, like many of us. 
My identity in Christ is maintained by Christ's love for me. The Galatians forgot this. My faith in Christ allows me to walk differently than those around me. And it should for every one of us. Every one of, every one of us should have people around us saying, why is he different? Why is she different? Why do they do things different? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. I walk by the faith that I live under, which is the system of faith, our New Testament, and Christ is our good shepherd. Listen to what Jesus says in John 10, 27 through 30. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. He says, they hear my voice. To hear his voice is to follow his teaching, his example. Let me give you one more passage, Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The Galatians had forgotten that Christ was that sacrifice, and they were willing to go back to physical sacrifices of animals. And you have people today who are willing to give up their identity in Christ to go back to who knows what. It could be a number of things. We need to understand our Christian identity. That means that my old identity was crucified. It was killed off. It doesn't exist anymore. It means that my new identity is Christ. I put on Christ when I put off the old. That took place during the death, burial, and resurrection reenactment in water, which is commanded and required for sins to be forgiven and for one to be saved. And my new identity is maintained by my faith. And when I say faith, I'm talking about living out the system of faith and Christ's love as I remain faithful. Now, as I draw this to a close, it is my goal that every one of us would remember the identity that we put on. We are Christians. We are set apart. And I want you to ask the same question. Why would anyone go back to that former way, to that old man, to that old system? Again, that's something the Galatians forgot. But that's something that Christians are still forgetting now. How many of you personally know somebody right now who is a Christian who is not faithful? Men I went to school with who were ministers who have abandoned the faith. And as a matter of fact, fairly quickly after we left school. If men who have been taught to the same degree that I was could leave the faith, what happens to the average Christian who barely even opens up their Bible? Every one of us needs to be on guard. Our identity in Christ, who it is and why we are the way that we are. And as I draw this to a close, my concern would be for anybody who has not yet put on Christ let me sit down and study with you. I would say this. Go back and look at all the conversion accounts if you've never become a Christian. Look at what every person did in all of the conversion accounts. In the book of conversion, the book of Acts, where you had, you had them being taught by evangelists. and They were talking about who Jesus was and why He came. The whole purpose was to produce faith. Hebrews 11.6 and John 8.24. And Jesus said, if you don't, if you don't uh, believe that I am, you're going to die in your sins. And so, of course, they had faith, but they were also being taught about sins and the consequence of sin. They were told to repent, Luke 13, 3 and 5. And we see that they were confessing Christ with their mouth, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And we see that in every conversion account, they were being immersed in water for the remission of sins. Why? That's when they put on their new identity as a Christian. That's when they accepted that new name as a Christian. 
They were added to the church by the Lord Himself, Acts 2, verse 47, and then they lived faithfully. And for anyone to live faithfully, you need to continuously remember your identity in Christ. If you're here and you're not a Christian, please let me know. If you're watching this online, contact us. We will set up a study or we'll find a faithful congregation in your area. But for anyone who is here, if you have a need in any way, you can come forward as we're led in a song of invitation.